was an idiot. Yeah. I'm still an idiot. But imagine <laughs> yeah. you at 25 making freaking Citizen Kane. Yeah. Even if you don't like the movie. I mean, all right. put a camera on the ground. Uh, We'll talk about that stuff. (laughs) Um, But uh, (laughs) No one's ever done this before. And welcome back to the Big Room, a movie podcast by just people, you know? We are people. We're people. We're really introspective this week because we watched Citizen Kane. Mm-hmm. And now we're thinking about the news and sleds, sleds. and um, Rosebuds. The, the news. <laughs> uh, we watched Citizen Kane, a 1941 movie by Orson Welles um, that nobody's seen ever except for us. Right? Yeah, we no, have seen it. Can confirm. <laughs> Maybe it's like it. it's like two hours, all black and white, of course, because it's old as a mug. Yep. Um, it's a good movie. It, it came out in 1941 to like literally zero fanfare. No one saw it until the 50s when it started appearing in syndication on television um, for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, as usual, uh, let's start off with um, kind of our what we thought, like our first impressions ish. What we thought about it before we had seen it going in uh we'll start with nick so i overall enjoyed it i thought the story was fine (laughs) kind of boring (laughs) middle of the road just fine yeah uh but by the end of the movie i was okay with that yeah that was it yeah that's what you got all right carl (laughs) um i kind of i'm kind of with you there with the uh story However, I was uh, blown away by the special effects, um, the composition, the kind of storytelling. Uh, I think the rearranging of the order of events uh, really was a unique and new um, kind of way to tell a story. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I was just it was it was a spectacle, really. But yeah, I'm kind of I wasn't as gripped, you know, with the story like with Pulp Fiction. Sure. Um, so, or even Casablanca for that matter. I know. I agree. It was just kind of like, um, I kind of cared about the characters, but not, I just wasn't as like in love with them, but the actual presentation was phenomenal, you know? Um, so yeah, that's, and you know, this is one of those movies that like it's reputation precedes itself, you know? Sure. Um, so it's kind of hard to parse the myth of the movie with mm-hmm. like your first watch of it. Um, I'm sure we'll get really into that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Danielle, what'd you think going in? Um, hmm, what I think, I think I expected a more like romantic drama for some reason. I think okay. because I had read like the plot like description, and I just saw that it involved like his right. friend and like his former lover and like the newsroom. So I think I expected more of like a a newspaper man looks for his long lost love. Gotcha. And then it was not that. Um, so yeah, that's what I expected. Not what I got. I think I expected more dystopia than we got Ooh. in a, cause it, that's what I feel like I was sold. Was it more dystopian story? But mm-hmm. I, I figured it would be more over the top. And we got it a bit in that, like, you know, during his campaign run, the every, Every scene changed. There were a couple scenes, and we'll get into it later. Like you know, a huge 
poster of himself behind him on the podium. And it's all very like really powerful man's rise and fall story. But I, I don't, I don't know exactly what I mean when I say I expected it to be more dystopian. I guess I just thought it would be more like in your face, depressing in, in, in that way, you I th- guess you thought it would be more in your face, depressing. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I did. Interesting. Um, it was, it was, I guess like more cartoonish in its scope and not like realistic, I guess. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, kind of see what you're saying, but it's, it's almost like it's more ambivalent. Like they don't really guide you one way or another. If he's a good guy or bad guy, it's just kind of, they let the, give you the facts and you can kind of make your own opinion of them. Yeah. So it's kind of like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not as dystopian though. Well, That's well, yeah. That it's not as and, gritty. Yeah. That and you're getting people's accounts of who he was, not necessarily his perspective or like a factual perspective. Like you're getting different views, um, which I think plays into that a lot. Yeah, it's a good way. Is it very inter- perceived him? Very interesting way to to tell a story from that direction. So you know, as an overview, we won't spend as much time going through the plot because uh, that's not really the point of the film. Um, like obviously, there's a plot, right? But the the point of the movie isn't. Like in the in the Casablanca or Pulp Fiction or really any of the other movies that we've seen in this list so far, it's not about what happens during the movie. It's more about what what happens represents, I guess, and um, the character of Kane, like what happens to him through the events of the film, and how others perceive him. To Nick's point of we're hearing other people's accounts, so the movie starts. The first couple scenes are super weird establishing shots of locations some of which we never visit again and it's all i guess it's all of xanadu which is his his uh castle house he's built in florida this this, uh media magnate and we get the the first 15 minutes are all uh well first it's him dying (laughs) uh and saying and whispering rosebud um which is his dying word and that's kind of the the MacGuffin to the story. Yeah. The big mystery of, um, you know, we follow along this reporter who, um, Kane owned a newspaper, like all of the newspapers. He was like the largest newspaper magnate in, in, in America. And so one of his reporters for his newspaper, the inquirer is, uh, investigating his last words. Like what, what did Kane mean by Rosebud, um, when he died? So that's pretty much like, that's what is pushing the plot along. Like that's that's where we're we're along for the ride with this reporter to to figure out what Kane meant by Rosebud. And he interviews three main characters um, whose names I should have looked up before this, but it's his Susan uh, was the singer. Susan was the um, singer. Bernstein. Uh, Bernstein. That's the first one. So Bernstein. Mm-hmm. It starts with, and that's like his business mentor. Um, which I believe that's the guy that takes him like away as a, as a or kid, something. right? That's um, like the guy that raises him. Um, yes. There's right? another guy too, but his name, Thatcher. So we got, Thatcher, we got that's Bernstein. Right. Thatcher got, was the guy that raises him. The Thatcher was the guy that raises him. Bernstein's, Bernstein's like his another, finance guy later. Yeah. Um, and then we've got... Um, Jeb or Jed? Jed. Jedediah Leland. Leland. And that's his business partner and the like writer, uh, his, his writer friend. So we're following the reporters, he interviews these three people about Kane's life, essentially. Um, so, you know, he starts off 
getting um, taken away from his family to to be under the wing of a finance guy. And I guess his family, like his dad was super against it, which was interesting. So uh, someone explain this to me because I didn't follow why. <laughs> why was he getting taken away? Me either. Um, so... Like he, if his father was wealthy or his father ran into money, why didn't he stay well, with his Well, his dad? mother ran into money. Through the and so she she very clearly didn't want his dad in the picture so maybe that was a lot of the motivation. Well, but his dad was off so so he gets taken by this guy to go I guess learn the finance trade though or something like that. Right. Um, right, right. And in taking him, I guess the dude that took him was going to give it was like five thousand dollars a month, right, or something like that. I think so. Yeah. To to Kane and his mom. So she's getting money for essentially giving her son up to learn the trade from the dude. That the dad too, right? He's well, right by proxy because okay. they're yeah. the parents. But and that's when when that detail comes out, that's when the dad switches to being totally on he's board. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's for the best, he's yeah. like, I want to raise my own son, and then he's like, Well, actually, money, money. is rad. Yeah. So <laughs> you know, and this whole time, Kane's outside playing in the snow on a sled, uh, sled. which that scene was so beautifully shot. Yeah. Um, well, and that's that scene is one of the the way that that scene was shot is one of the like technical aspects of why the movie is so influential. Um, but we'll talk about that post plot. Yeah. We'll get into kind of um, you know four non film nerds try to explain film to you. Sorry if you know about film, we will insult you for the remainder of this show. It's gonna be painful. Yeah. Tell us why we're idiots in the comments. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he gets taken away and he becomes this investor guy that's got a bunch of money. And then he, uh, what interests him, one of his investments that he buys is the Inquirer, a like low rung newspaper in whatever city they're in. I don't New remember. York New York City. Uh, makes sense. Chicago's later. So New York for now. And his the dude that like raises him up is like, just doesn't get it. He's like, you're losing a million dollars a month <laughs> on this year, paper. Yeah. Or a year, rather. He's losing a million dollars a year. A million a month. Yeah, that'd be crazy. Uh, yeah. And he's like, uh, yeah, at this rate, if I lose a million a year, I can only afford to do this for the next 36 years. Like, he's, we learned that Kane's just loaded, loaded. Yeah, it was There's like 60, 60 years. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It's that, like, was the, that was the first, like, zinger. And then that does, like, the trumpet sound. He's like, burr, burr, yeah. good. <laughs> like, it's some comic <laughs> thing. I was like, what is this movie? Oh, that was, like, one of my favorite parts. Yeah, so that's what he pours all of his energy into is his paper company. And that's his start of Don't becoming. He, he wants to be a man of the people, right? Like, he doesn't care about the money or losing money. He just wants to use this paper to represent the people. The yeah, I, f- I forget the other paper. That he was always the super wealthy that want to represent the common man too, right? But he's like this other paper, well, and also it never ends well. Spoiler, yeah, sure, (laughs) go figure. (laughs) You know, he's he wants he he first sets on like a noble quest to yeah be like the people's paper because this other paper I guess sucks. But he like super quickly turns to sensationalism and headlines because that's he wants the paper to grow like almost immediately. Yeah, like the first story they run. Yeah, he's like, we'll go and do this and just tell him. Like, they're investigating a murder, and they're like, we'll just say that the husband did it because blah, blah, blah. And if he if he doesn't, then put the cops on him or something. It was crazy. Um, or tell him you're a cop. Um, so he's immediately into, like, gorilla, dirty journalism. Yeah. Uh, right off the rip, like you were saying. Um, 
so you know and it kind of just devolves from there he's got his he gets married to his first wife which is the niece of the president right yes yes niece of the president Emily something and right? that starts like his political <laughs> aspirations from there kind of because he's a powerful newspaper man at this point yeah um, he's got influence and we and get a cool montage because so. you know we're we're again learning from one of these interviewees that uh, he was married to this first lady for 16 years. And then the way that they explore that 16-year relationship by uh, it's stated that they never see each other and that he only sees her at the breakfast table. So we have a montage of breakfast table scenes. And that was really yeah. cool. And every cut in this montage or fade or whatever they did to do a time jump, he gets like um, he gets like more and more indignant each time. And she gets like snippier too. And so yeah. they just like start hating each other over the breakfast table in what is like we get a 16 year relationship in two minutes. Yeah. And it's like super evident. And it, that's really cool. And one of the one of yeah. the influential things in the film uh, production wise. So um, he ends up running for mayor. Governor. Governor of New York. Um, and he's kicking his opponent's butt because he's really popular. Um from this whole newspaper thing. And it helps if you're the biggest newspaper, you can pimp your campaign out. Yeah. <laughs> um, and his opponent gets dirt on him because he's hanging out with this side chick. So he's got a side piece and she's the singer that sucks. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't think she does, but she sucks. I think she's a good singer. She's just, I was going to say her regular singer. singing didn't sound that bad. The I guess, the, I guess you're right. Terrible. Yeah. It was the Trill. opera singing. She was bad. Like she couldn't hit the high notes. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard worse, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the the his opponent blackmails him and is like, "Hey, I'll leak your relationship crap and it'll ruin you." And this is the first like real um, stance that Kane takes. That's like an L, but he's like power hungry, so he doesn't care. Kind of. I guess he's like, "Whatever, I'm Kane, dude. Like, I can, I'll handle it myself." His wife leaves him. All the details come out. He hooks up with the yeah, singer. Loses the race. He Yeah, he ego-chowled <laughs> the <laughs> political blackmail and yeah. lost. Which seems like a bad idea. Well, of course. Like, I mean, come on. Think for two seconds, bruh. Yeah, the opponent was like, hey, if you drop out of the race and go sick for two years or whatever, none of this will ever come out. Uh, and you can, you know, your son doesn't have to learn that dad cheated on him and whatever. Um but that family's out of the picture, and now he's with the singer. What was the singer's name again? Uh, Susan. 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 Susan um, Alexander. Susan Alexander. So he gets with her, and they get married, and he's like, I will get you into the opera, and if not, I'll build you an opera house. And then we get like a hilarious scene where a paper <laughs> flies over the Fantastic screen. Fantastic transition. It's Kane movie. builds opera house, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Because yeah, she's not good right enough. It won't come to that. <laughs> yeah. It won't. Point five seconds later. Immediately does. Immediately Hot off the press. That yeah <laughs> so good um, oh man so Brilliant. funny and then you know he builds xanadu for her and their relationship falls apart and then you know we learn that his colleague uh laszlo jedediah laszlo wants to leland like, leland yeah. leland <laughs> what is laszlo from? camp laszlo's living rent free in my head all these years later laszlo <laughs> is from uh the worst movie of all time casablanca right oh my oh, god yeah. you're right you're Man. right. 
That's something all these older movies. There's so many names, and they all refer to everybody by their name all the time. Yeah, it's always Mm -hmm. like Kane, Bernstein, Leland, Gettys, Alexander, Norton, Kane, Bernstein. Just which is why I'm struggling (laughs) to like keep them straight. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. It was like that in Casablanca too. Yeah, they just like names. Uh, but what was his name again? Leland. 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 He wants to leave, (laughs) and and run like the Chicago branch of the the Enquirer, I guess. And Kane yeah. lets him. Um, and then we, you know, we get He's into... He's kind of been watching Kane's, you know, actions at a distance. Right. Kind of gauging if he's corrupted or not, or if he's still the same guy he knew as a kid. So he's, I guess at this point, seen his true colors and... Kind of wants kind distance. Of wants to distance himself. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe wants to flex Has his a, own muscles at the paper. A or... really funny scene where he comes to him drunk. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's when he... Is that when he wants to leave or is that later? Yeah, that's when think, he wants to go to Chicago. That's when he wants to go to right? Chicago. He comes to him drunk after he lost yeah. the campaign. Yeah. But he gives him a good monologue about like his true colors and he's like, You want people to love you, but you know, on your terms and on your terms. He really gives him an earful. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny how you get on a roller coaster in this movie about, you know, you're like, Kane seems cool, and then he's like the worst person ever. And then he kind of seems yeah. cool again, and then he's back to being the worst. Kind of a and scoundrel. then yeah. towards after that, really after the Pol- the Chicago thing, he just like nose dives. Nose dives, yeah. Because um, you know he goes and visits um, Leland in Chicago at one point, and Leland's like, all he's like talking to, I guess the editor or whatever, and he's like, everything but the paper is done except for Leland's drama column. And he, Leland is asleep at his typewriter, and he has the editor like read what he had written, and he's yeah. he's flaming um, Susan's opera singing. And then, I thought he was dead though when they first went to him for yeah. a second. Okay, I was like, "Oh no!" And he's like, "Close the door." And I thought that was like, "Oh, he died, like yeah. really or something." I didn't. Mm. I didn't even. I thought the bottle was like poison or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like he killed himself. He drank himself to death. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Accidentally yeah. drank I he was anthrax. Just asleep, and he was gonna slap him on the face, wake him up. I thought we were gonna have a more dramatic fire. Roadhouse scene. has scarred me. I'm like, if anybody's <laughs> dead. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we. Uh, what's interesting to me is that Kane just finished the criticism of Susan yeah. and just like published it, and then was like, "You're fired." <laughs> yeah, I didn't get what the point of that was. Well, part good. I, I don't know if it was a flex of like, "Yeah, you're criticizing my wife. I'm just gonna finish." I'm gonna do it, it harder. Yeah, yeah so I, <laughs> I think it. Yeah, um, it was like one part. I'll show you. I am honest. I'll give a review that you were writing. As you intended, the other, I think he might actually just believe it. Like he's trying to pass her off as his opera singer and he's like, I'm just going to write how I actually feel about her. He refuses both. It was like an outlet. Like he refuses both himself and for her to be a failure. Like he won't accept failure. Yeah. Hmm. So he'd rather string her along. Was super ready to fire him anyways and needed that reason. Yeah. To get him out the door. Yeah. Because the second, like he's still typing, finishing it as Leland and he's like, yeah, you're fired. Yeah. yeah. So, and then, you know, we get, there's a lot of cool shots and we'll discuss them, but, you know, really that's, we, after that, we were really just in Xanadu. Xanadu. Yeah. Shout out yeah. to the 1984 <laughs> film Xanadu or whatever, whenever that movie came out, starring Olivia Newton John, I think. Um, R.I.P. She's dead, right? Never heard of it. Is Olivia Newton John <laughs> dead? Oh, Nick's not, not in Greece. Oh. Not <gasps> Olivia Newton John. I've heard of her. Never heard of the film Xanadu. I only know about Xanadu. it because of the podcast Harmontown. 
uh it was their yeah, outro maybe song that's where i heard it okay. it was their outro song for many years uh, and dan Harmon's uh house at the time was called danadu <laughs> okay that's that, which is like, excellent that sounds so, familiar and so I because of that it. like xanadu lives rent free in my head because of harmontown and not for the actual reasons it should <laughs> be referenced in my brain like it's filed under dan Harmon, not like oh. you know actual the chinese yeah. dynasty and what whatever um so it's just like that's like xanadu is kind of interesting because it's like you know he's got everything like he has his house full of his statues he's brought from all over the world and he's got the girl and they're living in the palace that he made for her but they're both miserable and she's like you know building jigsaw puzzles in her spare time and she feels like lonely she's like i want to go back to new york and be with people where it's exciting and there's stuff to do and he's like well there's people here um but they're just like people that he's brought in to i guess her perspective is he's brought these people into ogle at him and his wealth and they're not actually there to be people no they're not there because they care about him they're there because he can take them on expensive camp camping trips yeah fancy food so they're there for the money so we really go from that to her leaving him and then him dying um and then the the real resolution is like nobody knows what rosebud means and does it even matter um is the dialogue we get at the end like i don't think i don't think it would change anything is what the reporter says like it doesn't change anything like he's dead one word can't uh summarize a man's life exactly and then one of the final conclusive shots at the end is um they're just they're getting all of his crap appraised all these statues and whatever and some of his old belongings that are worthless and we hear them calling those prices out and then we see they're throwing some of the more worthless stuff in a furnace and what we see is his childhood sled gets thrown in, mm-hmm. and the 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 name of the sled is Rosebud, um, which uh, one of the things that I watched on the movie uh, kind of chalked that up as a metaphor to lost childhood. Right. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Um, and like youth gone by, like you know, in the instead for the pursuit of all this wealth that's now burning, and uh, which is cool. Yeah, when they were panning over all that stuff, I was like, "Oh, this is a uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark." Yeah, right. They're throwing away all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's the, <laughs> the Ark in the Box scene. I don't get end. that reference. Did, uh, oh, did Family Guy fucking Indiana. ruin this for anybody Indiana. else? No, I have seen that. Wait, what car? Did Family Guy spoil this for anybody else? No, I hadn't seen oh. that. <laughs> I went into this knowing Rosebud because it went it was on mm. TV, and Peter's like, it, "Rosebud's his sled." They I saved you like two hours of Boobles <laughs> TV or something like that, and I was like, "What?" <laughs> so I went into, I went oh, into this man. being like, well, I already know what it is. And that's where I'm like struggling because I'm like, it was spoiled for me. Yeah, that's so sucks. I'm like, I it, so I, I don't know how I would have received it had I been like, oh, like, look at right. that. Or, you know, so it's because yeah, uh, we had a moment in the living room. We're both like, oh, Rosebud's the sled. The sled. <laughs> like we said it at the same yeah. time. It was oh, like, I was just sitting so there jealous. I saw the sled. and I was like, oh, man, that's heavy. Yeah. Like I thought it was going to be a person or like a distinct thing, but it was this yeah. giant metaphor. Like holy crap. Yeah, it was it was it was cool. I I liked the way it wrapped that up. Um Yeah. Mm-hmm. With that, it you know, it wasn't <sighs> a know. solid resolution, I guess, but it was like it's the one we needed. If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, like the dark knight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um so I guess so from while here, we're talking about the plot, yeah, go I ahead. do want to, we have to point out a couple funny moments that I loved. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the first being Hitler. <laughs> there oh, was yeah, a scene in the very beginning Hitler? where he was the like narrator saying, 
he endorsed people and then he also unendorsed people and it just moves to him like jumps over to a clip of him with hitler on a balcony yeah it's like he he endorsed and then he unendorsed hitler it was great yeah there was hitler, that, and they you also hitler? they also referenced the war again in uh i guess to illustrate him having the people in the paw of his hand or something he was like he just got back from europe and reporters are asking him, like, will there be a war? Because we're in the 40s. Oh, yeah. We're in 41 to 42. And he's like, no. no. He's basically like, nah, there's no way no there's war. a war. And it's like, bruh. <laughs> I guess that, well, that, that had to have been the 30s at that point. But yeah. we we're just like, bruh. It's the, Which the, the makeup he had on was phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was dude. a different actor. Dude, that's like, one of the cool yeah. things. I don't, I, Not to rip away from the plot too much. Because I want to yeah, talk sorry. more about the production stuff. But, man, Orson Welles is 25. In this yeah. whole movie, a whippersnapper, and a lot of the aging makeup. I mean, with Susan and everything, the aging looked pretty good. Yeah, it did. Uh, uh, Leland was a little spotty, but yeah, and they talk about yeah. his not getting enough time um, and some other stuff I watched about yeah. it. But man, I, I was like, man, this aging makeup really—they uh, really nailed it for the '40s. It looks—it looks solid. They Nick, did. what else did you have funny, funny wise? Make uh, us laugh. Him, yeah, I want to destroying. When so Susan leaves him <laughs> in this giant mansion and he just destroys her room. Yep. Right before he dies. It was so comical to me because he's what? There's like no words spoken. It's just him staring into a distance and then ripping a sheet and then like throwing down everything off the dresser, ripping shelves off the wall. He, so when he's ripping the shelves and he can't get the one off. Oh, yeah, and, yeah, and then he just like pushes the other, that made me laugh. <laughs> No, I literally, yeah. I don't know if it was from exhaustion or from sadness. I, as soon as that scene started happening, I cried. Really? Yeah. Well, that's a heavy scene. That's so, when he, that's when he breaks. Yeah. I was right. like, it kills really him. Sad. I laughed. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that's hilarious that you were like, I didn't think it was comical, funny. but he was kind of lumber in a funny way. But well, like, he know, looks, reminded me of, he is old, a, a, like Gus Johnson skit. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like get up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom and you stumble over 30 things and it's yeah. just him ripping stuff apart oh, okay. the one thing that i liked and it, uh, that made me chuckle a little bit um which I, I appreciated the gravity of the scene uh same as y'all but the one one thing i couldn't get out of my head was like if they were filming like all right orson you have one shot at this you know? <laughs> like he's got to jack all this stuff up perfectly yeah. the first time imagine resetting oh, that yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm gonna I think put they did the have one shot back. and he cut his hand actually when he did Ooh. it. Yeah. Yeah. I've watched way too many videos about this movie. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it's an important movie. The last funny thing yeah. I wrote down, and it was the first thing I wrote. So I'm sitting there taking notes on my phone. The very first thing I wrote down was, is this guy just Trump? Because he's kind of just Trump. So I've seen Island. Man turned that, that, politician. That. <laughs> screaming yeah. to lock his opponent up like and he's got fake news yeah no i yeah, literally the, the election was rigged during like, that election yeah, stuff that election yeah during that election stuff where he is literally saying that he's the first thing he's going to do is have his opponent arrested i did say out loud like whoa yeah. this is this is trump yeah. and then to it's learn where he got the idea yeah to learn through reading reading and watching about the movie that this is trump's favorite movie Oh, is like boy. no it's that not. dude has no <laughs> Who said? i imagine is it an interview that dude's <laughs> that dude is yeah literally in an interview he's, he's going like, it's me. Movie. And, well no but to go watch imagine watching that movie and being like what a cool guy <laughs> like, yeah. that's, i want to be this like is a this great guy. story i want to follow it exactly to the t 
<laughs> what an idiot. Oh, orange oh. freaking diaper yeah. baby. Except Stupid. Payne never got elected. So there are... That's true. If only. Uh, there are... Um, there was another, uh, I read an article that drew lines between Trump and Kane and also Rupert Murdoch, who owns Fox News, um, who is a giant media media magnate. So, you know, to kind of move over to production of this and, and release, we can start with re- uh, development and release. So this movie, Orson Welles, like I've mentioned before, did when he was 25, and it is his first film. And his, like, most, like, he really hit it out of the park from the get-go. Now, he had done... <laughs> Before this, he produced, I believe, and uh, voiced the War of the Worlds uh, yeah. radio epic in the 30s, uh, which, by the way, it is an embellishment that people yeah. thought that that was real. That's not. Oh, really? Yeah, it's not really? actually a thing. Oh, that's, uh, that's that was like, it, it helped the marketing machine of War of the Worlds to put that out there. Not not actually a super common thing as far as we know. Um and then, so he signed a lucrative, lucrative deal with this production company, this RKO Studios, right, Carl? I, I think, think so, it was. Yeah. Um, not the Randy Orton wrestling yeah. finishing move, but not lucrative in money, but yeah, right. And that's, in, uh, that's control. We yeah. watched a um, we watched an interview, Carl and I, of of Orson Welles talking about it, and he's like, "Yeah, it's not lucrative in the in the monetary sense because this movie was released, uh, I believe, the same year or the year before as Casablanca and had half the budget." Um, this is a $500,000 movie. And I guess the studio from what I remember told him, like you have 500 grand. And if you stay within this budget, you can do whatever you want. Like he had full, complete control over every aspect of the film, a film he helped write, shot, produced, directed, and started <laughs> like he just did everything and he had total control and studios don't do that now and they'll never do it again. They didn't do that then. No, they didn't. This was unprecedented. Yeah. Which is, I guess, I, I think in a way... Was it the War of the Worlds that they felt confident in him? Or was it yeah. like stage work? Okay. He did stage work. He did some Shakespeare stage production. I don't remember which one. And it'd be that young, too. That's, yeah, and he's 25. So yeah, a little prodigy. crazy. I was an idiot. Yeah. I'm still an idiot. But imagine <laughs> yeah. you at 25 making freaking Citizen Kane. Yeah. Even if you don't like the movie. I mean, All right. put a camera on the yeah. ground. Uh, we'll talk about that stuff. Um, but uh, <laughs> no one's ever done this before. They had, uh, but um, you know, he he's just got this lucrative contract, and then it gets out, right? So the release, of the, obviously, everybody knows what the movie's about before it released. I guess somehow or whatever, newspapers got a hold of it, and a real life media magnate, uh, newspaper guy that owned a million jillion newspapers, Joseph Pulitzer. No, it was Randolph House. Uh, Randolph Furt. Yeah. Yeah. William Randolph Hearst, whatever his name was, he yeah. like gave the movie no press, so it was a box office flop. Nobody saw it because he like was like it's about me, and it wasn't. But it wasn't not. It was right. it was right. about him and like other giant media people at yeah. the time. So it wasn't strictly about him, but it pissed him off enough to where he like just gave it no press. Yeah. So it got no traction. More about Wells than anyone else. Yeah, and 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 because of that nobody really saw the movie until the fifties when it was on TV, um, and that's when it started to gain its like fame, I I guess, and and its influence, and all these filmmakers like um, Scorsese and and um, uh, Ridley Scott, and there's so many. I mean, the list on Wikipedia of the directors that were influenced by this movie is super long. 
Um, and it's Wikipedia, so it's got to be true. Absolutely, 100% <laughs> I just accurate. edited that yeah, for this, sure. so. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that was cool. And the way it's shot um, was interesting. So one of the notables, in, there were a couple, and Carl, jump into uh, mm-hmm. here, because I know you did All probably more research than I did, uh, was his use of deep focus was yes. one thing that just wasn't so shallow shallow depth of field is something that's really popular now especially in the podcast space and in you know your social medias and a lot of your short form content that's what's hot right now is um really shallow depth of fields where like i'll be in focus but everything in the background will be really blurry that's like what's hot now but that's what there was in the 40s so to use a deep focus where everything in the shot is like visible right was an innovation, I guess, yeah. which which is cool because it, it it helps the narrative. Like, you know, when the reporter's interviewing um, the his finance your... guy, right? Oh, okay. uh, he gets up and goes to a chair, but the camera doesn't move, but it's still in focus and he goes and gets smaller in the shot. Yeah. And then the, the, the Something framing... Something we saw Pulp Fiction do. Yes. They kept the camera. Yeah, exactly. Move, so you can see it's influenced directly. Oh, yeah. And then the yeah. framing of like, you know, we, we do that pan from, you know, there's, you can see the window and the snow outside yes. when they're yeah, talking, seen. signing I'll say the contract. The, the deep focus uh, requires better composition of the scene. And yes. that allowed for better storytelling. Because you have to so close the aperture in, in, yeah. so tight mm-hmm. to get camera people. I'm so sorry. I think you have to close <laughs> the aperture really small. And when you do that, you have to throw the camera further away. So all the scenes, I think, had to be huge, I guess. Or it, at least very deliberate in the framing of people. and Because everything's in focus. You can't hide as many crimes that way either. And it's just mm-hmm. very interesting. Um, and then, you know, Danielle mentioned cameras on the floor. <laughs> So yeah. that had obviously been used before. They the a video we watched showed a western. I don't remember which western it was. Where during one of the gunfight scenes, they showed the dude, but they used it very interestingly to make Kane one of the first places they do it is during his campaign rally, and they do a montage in the rally. And during the montage, each consecutive scene, he, uh, the stage is bigger and there's more people, but also the camera gets lower and makes him huge seeming. Yes, larger than life. So he's a larger than life individual. So what what isn't new is cameras on the floor. And what what what, what's new though was cameras on the floor as a narrative device. Yes. That was new. What what were you gonna say, Nick? I was just gonna say what was really fascinating to me about the low angle shots was they were cutting holes in the floor to get the camera lower. Yeah. Yeah. So like Crazy. even if you were laying on the floor, you would never see that perspective. Right. The the campaign really cool. when he's in in defeat in his office and all the campaign flyers are everywhere. That's that's another shot. We get the really low in the floor, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you know drunk uh drunk Leland comes in and it's just that it's all shot from down below looking up at a larger than life but defeated man. Yeah. Uh, and I loved that. That was really they also cool. they had low cameras. Yeah. They also had low ceilings. Um, oh, in did they? the like newsroom. They had really low ceilings to make them feel really big in the room, like mm. bigger, like more of a role mm. in that uh, like job or whatever. That was really cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, they did so much to make this look and feel and do and tell you as much as they could. There was also like, with uh, the budget they had. a really cool technique they used. And this was used during the Susan in present day. So old lady Susan in the diner is oh. the camera tracking Floating. shots that go like, you know, they 
they're on a poster and then they go up to a roof and then they go mm-hmm. in a skyline they're like, through the sign like skylight through the sign through the skylight down into the thing and it's like a continuous yeah. shot yeah. like that was, editing was mind blowing to people back then. yeah <laughs> when like, i saw that i was big, like how did they do that yeah incredible. i don't know how they did it but like, the mirrors, bigger man. point the bigger point to filming all this this way is like the the scene you're talking about where there's you're outside you go to a rooftop you see a sign with susan's name on it you go through the sign through the roof down to her at a table where she's drunk like in a matter of 10 seconds you get like you know where you're at you know her name, how much you know information what she does you know where what her emotion is like yeah all in a matter of 10 seconds because of how and we know she's reacting to float to... the camera through the set yeah. what, what yeah, were you gonna say Daniel? so cool man I don't even remember now. Not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I, I got a couple. LOL, more. train of thought. I got a couple more things. Uh, the force perspective, obviously, that was pretty rad. Um, the use of wipes uh, between scenes yeah. was interesting. And yeah, I, yeah. I actually wrote, mm-hmm. "How do they do crossfades and dissolves in the '40s when it's a literal that's film?" That's what I was gonna say. Dude, they had yeah. Okay, too. go ahead. That's go ahead. I, well, that's all I was gonna say. I was like, they don't have you know Adobe Premiere Pro to just click a button and go <laughs> crossfade. So I, I, I did, meant yeah, to look up that. how they did that. Saying, and do we know how? It, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We gotta look it up after this. <laughs> yeah. I'm so interested in that. Um. Uh, so I mean, that's that's kind of those things are why the movie is a legendary movie mm-hmm. is because that stuff and i actually wrote uh when i was watching it um i think it's more difficult to look at this film's influence in 2023 especially through our lens of general ignorance um I'm than, a brilliant genius. then it would be to recognize its influence going forward from the 1950s so you know we're screwed by two ways we're in our 20s and we're idiots that don't know anything about film but now learning it it's like i definitely retroactively have more respect for this movie after watching and reading a bunch you know about it so uh you know that's it because the plot is like it's fine <laughs> yeah it's every it's movie it's one dude lonely he has sad money. dies <laughs> like, yeah. Neat. Yeah. it's about the news okay yeah. but like you know the way it was shot is just it's really cool. And it, it, it definitely does come off as like neat, like the low angles yeah. and it's all great, but it's not what? remarkable now. Like it was in the, in the 40s and 50s. I don't know. I think it holds and up more than like more than movies I've seen today. Like the way that they shot it, the way the transitions, the cutting, and they did that so long ago. I was like, this rivals any movie that I see today. That's doing the same kind of thing. Well, it's and, more exciting. Yeah, so I have a and similar... it's camera work. Go ahead. Yeah, I have a similar so thought where it's like, yeah, this was influential in the way that it was shot, but also it feels very unique. Also, I haven't seen a lot of movies, obviously. Sure. But like, it feel, like there's stuff in this that's like, I've never seen this before, especially in that opening, like, documentary. Yeah, yeah, uh, the narration. That we get at the very beginning, right after he dies. Like, that was so amazing, the way that things were, like, fading into each other and seeing through the globe and reflections. Yeah. Um, what's also <laughs> super... Danielle's over here rolling her eyes. She didn't like the movie at all. I'm so pissed that I'm on an island right now. I thought I would have Nick on my side. I I thought you would too, honestly. I'm surprised. I think it's very what's interesting. Most impressive. What's most impressive? I'm withholding about... my criticisms for now. No, because we have a section we're going to do after this. So go ahead, Nick. Well, I was just going to say the most impressive thing about the deep focus and the 
low angle shots, the floating camera, the lighting, all this stuff. He had no idea what he was doing. It was his first movie. He's 25 years old. And it was just him going, I think this would look good. Yeah, he's, ge- he's a genius, story. Though. Like, that's yeah. being a visionary. Figure it out. Like, I had a quote. I wrote it down, but I have so many notes that I just I may have the quote you're looking for. Was it about ignorance? He basically was like, yeah, talking about being ignorant. He's like, I didn't know so, that it was seemingly yeah. impossible to do this. I just, we figured out a way to do it. What's the exact quote, Carl? I got it. It's a sheer ignorance. Uh, there's no confidence to equal it. It's only when you know nothing about a profession that, or it's only when you know about a profession uh, that you are timid or careful. Yeah. Yeah. So he's mm-hmm. just, so, and that's, but that's innovation though. It's like, yeah, it's like Leo Fender inventing the electric guitar. It's like Henry Ford inventing the car. It's, it's, but it's, Steve Jobs it, inventing the iPad. Yeah. Phone. The yeah. iPhone <laughs> is probably the more, the, the better Whatever. one to use there because he, he redefined His the, impressive well, invention. <laughs> like, <laughs> the iPad, the thing Steve Jobs would hate now. <laughs> Oh, no, the phone, the bro. It keyword. changed the way phones are in the same way that this changed film forever. Uh, I mean, my phone folds now because Steve Jobs made a touchscreen not terrible uh, in the way that, you know, and, and what's cool is that we we have two movies in a row that we are spending long periods of time talking about the cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Pulp Fiction right into Citizen Kane and, and, and we don't have one without the other, you know. In the yeah. same way I was saying last night, like we don't have modern music without the Beatles. We don't have any modern movies without Citizen Kane, um, which brings us, our, if we're ready to transition into the next portion, or, or do we have final final thoughts on? Uh, I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to bring more things up in this next yeah. this yeah. next question, which is I want to get into a little bit of a debate. because uh, Daniel and I were doing this a little bit last night, uh, and I was like, shut up, because we need to do it for the show. Um, <laughs> and, and that's Sad. that's... That's a question, uh, and Carl, we may have actually done a little bit too much research for this. this I question. maybe did, but we'll I'm, see. Yeah, I'm. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll get to it. And, and, and I want to say, <laughs> I'm stressing. I want to say, like me and Carl yakking and Nick yakking because we've done a bunch of research on the camera shots doesn't make anybody else's point invalid. I want to say that, but uh, th- this question of <laughs> we is, all know that was for is for my feelings is Citizen Kane the greatest movie of all time. Is it? Is it the greatest movie of all time? And and uh, do you want to start or do you want? Do you no, because I'm scared now. Want, well, I think no. I don't think it is the greatest. You don't movie think it's the greatest time. movie of all no, time? No, it's not. I, and I think that's fair, by the way. I don't know. Is it obviously one of like the most influential movies of all time? I think that's inarguable. That's inarguable. Right. But is it the greatest movie of all time? And no. And we ask this question because th- it's on this list, and you've looked at lists as well. I have. Of greatest movies of all time is why oh, many of the things in this bucket exist, and, and it's why Citizen Kane is on this list. That and because it's in the, in the it's in the what do you the zeitgeist of oh, it's his Citizen Kane, you know. I still don't know if I know what that means. Okay, (laughs) so I had thoughts on that. Yeah. So I I wrote it down because I'm going to forget. So last night my note was, it's a Citizen Kane. Freaking why? Citizen Kane is boring. (laughs) You did at one point uh, look at me and go, I'm struggling to not look at my phone right now. I really want to look at my phone. (laughs) So I think I initially thought when people say like, it's a Citizen Kane, it meant like someone had made a really like great like movie as far as like acting and dialogue and story and plot. But I think it's his citizen Kane now means they made something 
influential or groundbreaking innovative innovative they did something new so as opposed to just like this is a great movie that's a good does that make sense i i think you could take it from that angle and also from the angle of like it's his math it's their masterpiece masterpiece would be the word i would yeah and we 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 watched um, maybe we didn't watch the same one here but there was like this is literally his masterpiece because it's the first thing he did and that the original like meaning of the word masterpiece is it's what like apprentices submit this work to become a master of their craft is what a masterpiece is it's it's Mm. the it's your um, I'm learning so much. Yeah, that it's it's <laughs> what you do. Like if you're a guitar builder, it's the guitar you make to become a master luthier or or, or whatever, whatever a comparison would be. Um, and like, I guess that applies because it's his first thing, and then he's yeah. instantly he just did it pretty good right up. He's gate. great forever. He nailed it. He changed film did on his first na- try. Did he nail it yeah. though? Well, from a from a technical stand from a technical yeah. standpoint. Okay, all right. From what do you, what do you think, Carl? From the from well, the best movie or Nick, who, whoever. Either you can go. Who doesn't matter? I was just gonna say, man. I obviously from a technical perspective, it's undisputed. But like, the ability to tell a bigger story and to make the story itself almost—I don't want to say not relevant, but the story is a way to communicate the bigger picture, right? Right. Like it's a commentary on how like greed and ambition can power someone. And like the way this movie in different ways, like depending on the person watching it, the way it can like make sense or relate to someone else. Like I feel like every person can relate to this in some way, somehow. And I think that might make it worth being called the greatest movie of all time okay it's interesting i like that take also i'm painfully aware that like i don't watch a lot of movies that's why we're here and do any of us really have the the authority that's not that's not that's not coming from our mouths that's the show though that's the show i mean you're you're not if you've made it this far into either this episode or any of our episodes it's got to be painfully aware that we are (laughs) just not we don't (laughs) know what we're talking about (laughs) Just four. We're people. four sheltered idiots who have never watched any movies, and so we're going through a popcorn bucket full popcorn. of green tickets to to get go to get these ticket. perspectives. But I do like the order that it came in. Like going from Pulp Fiction to this, two masterpieces for different reasons are, are, are has been yeah. very interesting. What what I want to learn more about okay. why you hate the movie. Why I think yeah, it's I'm not really great. intrigued. Okay, so I'm gonna have to look at my no. Notes look at your notes. Just because, maybe hold your phone up a bit. Okay, I'll try to hold it up because I want to make sure I say it right. Because this morning I was like, here's like here's why. Yeah, um, tread lightly here. I know. Well, I'm gonna tread how I want. Yeah, just just go in. <laughs> um, tread so, heavy. <laughs> I just, I like I said, I think it can be the most influential movie of all time, but I think the greatest movie of all time should have a timelessness to it. I think you guys kind of said that this did, but as far as like the... Uh, the like story the acting, structure, you the story, mean? The acting? Like He didn't the, use well-known actors. The story, either. the acting. Right, yeah. I wasn't drawn into the world. I wasn't drawn in to care about Kane or any really? of his women. Okay. Like... Pulp Fiction and Casablanca both like I cared. I wanted to learn more. Like I had no drawing in. Maybe maybe to this movie because it wasn't emotional in the way that Casablanca is emotional no. by being right. Romance We're not living centered. in the moment. 
or Pulp Fiction gets you into the characters by making you feel like you're like an unspoken protagonist along with them the whole way. This movie is about watching a man rise and fall. And it's not, I don't think that's just compelling to you. Or, and it's, I don't, I don't think it's as, like it could be because I mean, I've watched, I've watched a decent amount of movies. I do. I will say I am biased against movies that have like an overall negative melancholy feel. And that's this film. So I would, I was kind of set up to not really like this, but I think if like later movies take the elements of like what this started and did it better in a more compelling way, that's a better movie. And I think that's fair in a way because I mean, everything was built on the foundation of Citizen Kane in a, in a way, but no, I think that's fair. I think like if somebody comes along and learns and then makes it better and a better product, Right. That's a better movie. Yeah. I hate to keep coming back to guitars, but like I play a, for for musicians out there, I play a Strandberg regularly, which is a headless alien seven string guitar, but I have a Strat (laughs) too. So I have like the first electric guitar and then I have what is a modern crazy. And I, I don't play the Strat. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I don't play the Strat. My Strandberg does everything the Strat does and more. Uh, to your point, I, I think it's like, sure. Is the Strat probably the greatest guitar of all time? Yes. But you don't play it. But I don't play it. <laughs> well, my, I have, I thought about that too. Cause that's what, that's what you said about the Beatles was, yep. you know, the Beatles, like we don't have modern pop music without the Beatles. So we don't like, have music without the Beatles. Modern the Beatles, music. the best band of all time. But I thought maybe a closer comparison would be like animated film with Snow White and Disney. Snow White was like a nominal animated film. We don't have like fairy tale storytelling and animation without Snow White. But I looked at lists of the greatest animated of all t- animated movies of all Ooh. time, and it was not ranked number one on any list. Oh, what was? Do you remember? Um, I don't remember. I only ranked where it was. Okay, where was it? It was number four according to Rolling Stone, number forty-four according to Empire, number eight according to a list called Time Out, which ranked. Citizen Kane is number one. Okay. So. Okay. I don't know if that helps my argument. I think it does from a, from at least an animation standpoint, whereas Snow White laid this a similar groundwork you're saying, but isn't considered the best animated movie yes. of all time. Correct. I wonder if it's just the, the, like, the, the nature of the medium though, you know? So you're, you're saying that just because it influenced Hollywood doesn't mean it has it doesn't have to be the greatest movie of all time. Yes. I, that's fair. I, I think that's fair. I wonder what the, oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair point. I was going to say, I wonder with animation, if the medium uh, updates faster. So it's on a faster time slot, you know, I think there were so bigger, maybe that would populate or generate newer, better movies constantly creating I think, new quote unquote. I mean, there were a lot of older movies ranked number one, a lot of studio Ghibli, Sure, um, we got one of those in, in our list. Spirited Away was ranked higher than Snow White. Spirited Away times. was in the top five of a couple yeah. best movies of all time list that I saw. Dan, you also don't like that movie. I also hate Spirited Away. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, to, to Carl's point, though, or to maybe expand on it or sidestep on it, um, there have been other big, big leaps in animation, like, you know, 3D modeling. Um, Toy Story, Pixar, um, you know, we're not shooting animation by like 
aiming a camera straight down through layers of glass to get scene depth anymore. And maybe that sets Snow White back in a way that we still shoot in forced perspective. We still will use a lot of the same wipes and techniques and, and, and using a camera as a storytelling tool that Citizen Kane did. Whereas yeah. a lot of what made Snow White groundbreaking is completely it's irrelevant. irrelevant now. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but so I, I see, I see both it. angles. It's hard to find a good comparison as far as like industry to industry. Because the Beatles is not one. They're also different. Because that's the, the problem you can turn the Beatles. kind of question though. Yeah, yeah. No, like, that's, that's why I want to talk about it. Yeah. The Beatles is a terrible comparison. It's the first one I brought up, but I don't think, you know, like people will still listen to the Beatles today. No one's out there going... Citizen Kane in 2023. Like, I can't wait to go to the theater and see that. No one would. But, you know, if Paul McCartney showed up and started singing yesterday, you'd be locked in. So the Beatles have a more mass appeal. I want to bring up um, really quick, since we're talking about this. That may be a live format thing, too. Yeah, and there's still Beatles that are alive, you know. Yeah. I I will agree with, with Danielle, though, on the fact that just because it's so influential doesn't necessarily mean it's the best. No, I think that's a completely fair I point. Just, I just also think that the storytelling and stuff outside of that is also incredible. Yeah, okay. like like you didn't like the story, but I don't think the yeah. story is why it's great. I think the way that... Right. Let me let me, let me me read these Scorsese quotes. I, I, I watched a Scorsese interview. It's like two minutes long, or it was, it was cut from a larger piece um, about Citizen Kane. And why it was influential to him. And I think it, it it helps the... Not that I'm trying to say that it's the greatest movie of all time. Because the greatest movie of all time is obviously Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs> um, Clearly. Um, uh, this is so Wizard episode. Annie. That's yeah, so Wizard Annie coming. is the greatest line in cinema history. <laughs> I'll die on that hell. Um, <laughs> was it, we have a friend it's who... It's working! Uh, we have a we have a friend Dan hates that movie because uh, in the in the scene where Darth Maul first shows up and attacks Qui Gon and Anakin as they're leaving the desert to board the ship, uh, Darth Maul's like just screaming on his speeder up and and Qui Gon just goes Anakin drop and Anakin immediately as an eleven year old boy without question hits the deck as instruction yeah. of this man he barely knows and Daniel's like there is no way he wouldn't have been like why, why? <laughs> and then it just would have been Anakin drop. Credits. <laughs> uh, there is no Anakin. There's no Darth. Uh, hey, we talked about Star Wars again. Uh, you're, you're welcome. welcome. So, uh, no, the Scorsese interview. I, I just real quick. He said that he saw Citizen Kane on television for the first time, and he, I, and I took, and he's quoted, and I began to be aware of editing and camera positions. Uh, and he goes on, um, you begin to see that the camera moves. This is what Wells brought to cinema because up to that time, it was the seamless film, the hidden camera, the camera you couldn't tell was there. It was, the movies were made to not draw attention to the camera. They wanted you to watch the people. You know, it was, the camera was not used, I guess, up until this point um, as a narrative device, as a storytelling device, you know, this, this forced perspective and all these, all these things. And I guess that's why it's so groundbreaking. Like now, you know, Pulp Fiction, we spent ages talking about that one apartment door scene where the camera just shifts and they go way away. And it's brilliant because mm-hmm. we didn't see a face cut, face cut, face cut, like, you know, 
like you'd see a conversation in, in a lot of the drivel that comes out today. So um, I don't know. I, I think there's a case for and against. And I think the, the fun of the question is it's an unanswerable question. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who's yeah. to say? Uh, and I, I watched another video that said that film critique at its nature is completely subjective. Um, as are topless for anything. Uh, you know, like, you know, ask someone what their favorite Star Wars movie is. If you ask six people, you'll probably get six different answers. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's true with everything. Marvel movies, shut up. <laughs> we do not. We we will not. It's a debate for another time. <laughs> no, it's not a debate. That's if we ever episode. do a sequel movie series, I will be bleeding from the throat from the <laughs> amount of screaming of hatred oh, that I will do. I genuinely, genuinely about... do not respect people that like those three movies. Like, you're just a trash <laughs> person to me. Apologies to anybody who likes No, people. no I love, apologies. I love that you this... can... <laughs> I love that this <sighs> is coming off you saying it's subjective and there's no right answer. No, you know what? I take it Except back. Except for this case. I take it back. Yeah, if you like... Before, your opinion's not wrong. No, <laughs> unless you like the sequel trilogy and then you can get in a boat and float as far away from me as possible. Get hate in a boat you. and float is actually a really good line. I like that. Uh, yeah. Print it on a t-shirt. Uh, Put it on a t-shirt. New merch. Uh, I think um, new merch. We don't have merch. <laughs> a merch. Just <laughs> merch. If you want us to ever have t-shirts, have your friends watch our crappy podcast. Um, yeah, please. So I think from here we go into star ratings. I think it's a, a logical because it's an unanswerable question. I think we had some good yep. good I made, dialogue I made there. I my points. Do you have anything else you wanted to make there? Um, um I don't think so. Okay. No, I think that's mostly it. Let's let's go just right into star ratings and let's let's start with you if you if if you want. Sure. I don't think I said if it was the best or not. Oh yeah, Carl. Um Carl. sorry. I've toiled over this all day and I've been stressing out about it because I'm like trying to think about that question, like the best, what does it mean to be the best? Like, is it the most entertaining movie? Probably not, but is no. it the most well put together movie I've ever seen? Maybe. And then I'm asking myself, like, well, if it's not the best name the best movie right. and i can't think of one that would hold up better i was like casablanca i like the characters no. i like the story it's not the best movie but um i'm interested so to see know. what you will think about that and maybe we should remember this and revisit because the top of so so many lists is the godfather part one. Oh. okay we haven't seen and we have um, i've and seen one, much of it but man one interview i watched was like kind of debunking it being the best because he was like at any point in this movie, I have no problem turning it off. Whereas other movies like The Godfather, mm -hmm. I never want to turn it off. And like you were saying, Danielle, about looking at your phone during it, it's like there are, it spends a lot of time in scenes that like we don't really care about, but looking right. at those scenes, they're so beautifully done. They mean so much. They're so rich in symbolism and the way that they're crafted. You're like, I can't help but admire this. Like I'm walking through a museum. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's a spectacle in the way that it was done. The fact that it was the first to be, the first to do it like this is also you know, groundbreaking. It's like he was 25 when he did this. So there's all this myth around the movie. It, you know, it, people compare things. It's like, uh, it's so like highly revered that it's synonymous with like greatness. People say, yeah, right. Like, is the exactly. Citizen Kane. So it's hard to, yeah, parse that, um, from like the actual experience. And I wish it hadn't been ruined by Family Guy it's spoiling so funny, it for man. me. Yeah, it's, like, it's hilarious, but I'm like, I wish I could have watched it and been, you know, surprised that like oh that's like when that reveal comes yeah um 
this movie has it does a lot of things right. All these the special effects are so good. They they're invisible basically. Like they they happen so flawlessly that you don't even realize that they're happening. They're right. in the background. The camera work puts you in places that you've never been. It you know set the standard at, for movies going forward. Um, there are I could go on and on about different scenes the way they were done. There's there's actually one funny one. Uh, have you all seen the Shia LaBeouf? Uh, chorus oh yes when it starts clapping i about fell out of my chair oh was like, that's, I didn't what, that's what that's from. that's yeah. what that's from. i said that that was familiar but i couldn't put my yeah. finger on like I, so when <laughs> in the opera in the opera the last <laughs> opera scene that we see him watch her at when he's just clapping like this oh I, yeah. that was really familiar to me and i couldn't yeah. place it and it's that shia labeouf yeah. thing thank so you this man. movie you to, and to my point you can't escape this movie's influence so name a greater yeah. movie than this movie. Um, but, th and this is where I kind of want to have a happy compromise and say, you know, greatest or best film of all time, because then it's the art form. Greatest movie okay. is just your preference. Okay. So oh, that's kind I of, like my, that. that's my split the middle or, you know, yeah. keep everybody kind of happy, yeah. my uh, political answer. Yeah, <laughs> um, I like that. I but like yeah, that. and then you know I could talk more about what, how where this movie falls short, but I think I'm, I'll leave it there. I've talked long enough. Yeah. <laughs> like, Let's see. Do you yeah, want to just go I'll right into your star rating? Yeah. Sure. Um, Didn't mean to steamroll you with the star rating. Yeah. Thing. Um, this is I'm making at the risk of contradicting myself. I'm not going to give it a five because it wasn't as entertaining as yep. um, Pulp Fiction, which. I, entertaining is such a big part you gave of that a five right me and you were both fives there i gave yeah, i gave that a five yeah. i'm actually i kind of want you all to come back to me for all right you, you want to you want to you want to start yeah. sure. I, I can start. um i honestly forgot about thinking about what star rating i wanted to give it until you said that before we started recording so right. um i base a lot of my ratings off of how much I enjoyed movies because that's why I want to watch movies. I want right. to watch movies to enjoy it and enjoy my time. Um, yep. And I didn't really enjoy this one. Okay. I mean, I will say the like dark and moody like style was cool to look at. Um, yeah. So that was just something different. Um, we have another one of those coming up. Maltese Falcon is a noir film that's really black and white and moody. Yeah. But um, as far as the rating, I'm gonna give it a two. Okay. Uh, do you want to roll the Nick next? Let's roll the Nick. All right. It's Nick. So I have a lot of notes on this. Um, yeah. So I'm gonna read a little bit. But the biggest question, if the question is, what is the takeaway? What is the meaning? I think that that answer could vary for whoever you're asking. Some would say greed. Some would say love. Some would say purpose. Uh, for me, the takeaway was influenced by a couple things. I thought that they did really well. Um, first of all, it's undisputed. This movie changed cinema, right? Like, there's... It was... It changed cinema. It changed the way the movies were made, and it was because yeah. Wells didn't know what he was doing, right? which I love. Yeah. Um, and it just shows the vision that he had and the way he was able to see things without knowing how to do it and just did what it took to get there. And yeah, then this, that opened up the circumstances of world. having an infinitely long leash through his contract, just really enabling. Right. Him. Yeah. I wonder too, if yeah. growing up in radio where you don't have, but one, uh, you know, sense to give people, you know, you can only rely on what they can hear you have to be creative and how you can, you know, bring people into a story if that kind of thinking and all the limitations with stage 
if that all that kind of really informed how we approach this because you know you're all you're, you're stuck in such a box when you're doing these like limited art forms and now he's got like basically the culmination of all the art <laughs> forms and he can kind of make this the living breathing kind of thing right yeah what he, he called it like the greatest uh train kit a boy could ask for when he saw all the like uh equipment because that's so, that's the flip side of the coin he's though. playing is what you were getting at it's like he's you know reveling in producing this thing you it's, know but yeah, uh, his baby his baby so. in 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 stark contrast though to his ignorance of you know his ignorance allowing him to have the inspiration is his uh, i mean he had to have had an intense knowledge of composition and camera equipment and all, all this stuff like yeah. you know like i, I mean, feel like that's got to be his stage work it's a, it's a very it's a very yeah, it wasn't int- like it wasn't like this was his first time ever thinking about film it, uh, it, it couldn't have been his, his yeah. first chance to put everything in his brain because there had been yeah, film like for half screen. a century it's I a think, vessel for everything he knew how to do yeah. yeah it's just it's a really unique blend of um no, no boundaries, boundaries. Um, uh, just his ignorance leading into him thinking the way that he thought to compose this stuff and his genius both in his knowledge of yep. his equipment and his just like thinking his up of these shots are crazy so go ahead nick though sorry so yeah first point it changed hollywood no question uh but what I loved about this movie outside of that was that we don't get Kane's story from himself. Yeah. Like very first, very first shot. He's dead, which by the way, there's a plot hole. Oh yeah. He was alone. He was <laughs> yeah. alone when he said Rosebud seemingly. So uh, I thought the, the Butler said that he heard him. I've, yeah, yeah, I've heard this. I guess we don't really see the forum, him, but could have been yeah, a rat. I, I don't know. Um, but we don't get the story from Kane's perspective, right? We get it from, we get other people's version of who Kane was, right? So yeah. like, and we see that with, I think especially with Susan, where like, some people talking about her, she's like, really goofy, and other times she's really serious. Yeah. Um, and I think the takeaway, the bigger picture, is that once you're gone, the only thing left is what other people are saying about you. Yeah, and there's there's yeah. themes like that where I'm just sitting there going, "Oh my gosh, this is so heavy." Um, and then yeah, I I think they did such a good job of making the plot understandable without making it dumb. Like a right. lot, I think a lot of movies these days are like made for the stupidest person in the audience, the dumbest person in the audience to go, "Oh yeah." Like Transformers, it's like, oh, c- cars turn into robots and smash things. Neat. Yeah. Like Meg- Megan Fox is hot, cool. Head empty, no like, thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they they tell a really like charming and simple story, uh, but in a really complex way. Uh, and then, yeah, I think it applies to everyone, right? Like at the end of your life, this is where it starts to get deep, but like at the end of your life, you don't want to look back and be like, holy crap, the last time I was happy was when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah that's um, a big bummer. Yeah. And like, whether you want to admit it or not, everyone's afraid of dying. Like, so I just think, I think they did a really good job at through this specific story of this businessman turned politician of relating to everyone and 
applying to everyone in some way. Um, so from a star rating, um, <laughs> <laughs> anyways. No, I liked what you had to say. Yeah, yeah. It, it undoubtedly influenced future films, right? It influenced Hollywood. Everyone can relate to it. And they told a complex story through a really simple plot. Yep. And for that reason, I give it a five out of five. What? <laughs> what? Uh, Nick, who are you? It. He loves. I don't even know who you are anymore. How did you not follow Casablanca? <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> insane. You've got to go <laughs> back and watch that. That's the thing. That's my point, though, here. They, with this movie, they told a simple plot in a complex way Bro. and got it bigger, deeper Bro. meaning. Casablanca life, was right? not yeah. hard. Casablanca's like, oh, there's train tickets and they're putting in the piano, but they don't really show you <laughs> that they're putting it in the piano. <laughs> there's a 30 second establishing shot of him putting them in the piano. You're just looking at your phone. Oh, you just didn't God. look. You didn't watch. You've got to go back and oh, give Casablanca you, a yeah, shot. You would, but I also, think you'd like it. this is better than Pulp Fiction to you. It, you gave Pulp Fiction a four and a it half. Just, it checks so many marks. That's just wild. Like, it's insane, yeah. Regardless uh, of how you look at this movie, you look at it through a, like a film perspective or a story perspective or whatever. Yeah. It hits every time. That's eh. that's crazy. I didn't expect you to rank that that high. No. That's I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I, 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 like I that. also was surprised. I, I stopped watching it last night. And I went, <laughs> holy cow. Carl. That was amazing. Do you want to go now or do you want me to go? I think I want to go. You go. got me so jazzed about it. I kind of want to give it a five two now. Um, oh God! Don't hey, don't uh, let him influence you. You be your own person, Carl. Whatever well, he's just reminding me of everything I liked about it. Yeah. He's making me remember how good it is. Um, <laughs> ah man. So yeah, this movie does have something for everybody. You know, there's comedy, drama, romance, Dramedy. song and dance, mystery, animation, shadow puppets. Um, <laughs> there's literally there's so much in this movie. Um, oh God. I'm going to give it a five. I'm Dang. just going to do it. Yeah. Y'all it's the most influential movie of all time. I mean, what are you going to do? Does it make it a good movie? I mean, it's a good movie. I, I, I thought it was a good movie. movie. I, yeah. I enjoyed watching it. It's a great film. It's a good movie. I enjoyed watching it the whole time. Danielle oh. was falling asleep at the end. I uh, wanted to look at her phone. Blech. I. But I like I like old movies. So, I don't know. You know, all the all my favorite movies that I've watched. Pulp Fiction aside have been from the, the 40s to the 60s. So um, shout-outs to the original Ocean's Eleven, which is great. Um, no matter what Rotten Tomatoes oh, original, says, original. it's a good movie. Um, man, I'm torn for this one because... I'm already second-guessing my rating. I've, I did not enjoy it anywhere near as much as I enjoyed Pulp Fiction, so there's no way it gets a five from me because... My stars are just they're they've got to they're weighted for me more towards my enjoyment and how much fun I had um or how much I was impacted I guess by watching the movie. Um and a lot of my enjoyment I must say of Citizen Kane is retroactive after I had done more research to understand Citizen Kane. So I feel like if I had not done that uh, hey, we all did a lot of research because this episode would have been garbage without it. And we were all worried about that. That's not a sign of a, a five out of five movie to me. Um, and some of that is our general ineptitude. <laughs> being, being six episodes no. deep into a movie podcast. Um, but 
you know, I, I won't beat to death any more of the technical aspects of the movie. Um, I feel like I'm going to have an army of people with cameras slung over their shoulders going, you <laughs> talked about aperture wrong, yeah. um, which is fine. Yeah. I'm learning. Um, no, I don't, I, I think I'm going to give it a three and a half, oh. uh, okay. w- which seems low. My, my, I'm kind of torn between three and four, but I think I gave Casablanca four, if I remember, or four and a half. And I don't, I, I don't, did. I didn't enjoy this as much, nearly as much as Casablanca. I have a tremendous amount of respect for this movie from a technical standpoint. I loved watching it, I guess, but um, yeah, I, I, it just wasn't a five for me. Um, you know, it's hilarious that I'm more on the Danielle spectrum of it. She hated the movie, but. The Danielle spectrum. Let's go. Uh, I think three and a half. Three. Did I say three or three and a half? You said three and a half. I'm going to go three and a half. I'm going to split between three and four. Um, I did like it. I liked it the whole time. I'd watch it again. Um, I feel like I would it would not. be, I would feel like I would have, uh, it would be an interesting second watch knowing what I know about it now. That's probably true. Yeah. yeah. Um, it would be a much interesting, I, I think I'd, uh, I would like to watch it again, nerding out about the cinematography more than trying to keep yeah. up the plot. I want to watch it on Prime because you get those little facts. Oh, true. I, did, I never, it's hard. Yeah. You have to like keep wiggling the mouse to keep getting yeah. them. I wish you could just say like, <laughs> keep showing me. Like, I just want to yeah. keep Give seeing me more x-rays. Stuff. It's crazy yeah. to me, Nick, how much you pulled out of this movie. Yeah. Like yeah. how much you took from it. I, and, like, well, less, rich. like lessons. When, There's a lot to pull from it. I don't know. That's just I crazy. also am... Maybe it's just this specific point in my life where I'm about to turn 30 and I'm freaking out about the meaning of life. Did you have an existential (laughs) crisis while watching this movie? A little bit, a little bit. He's like, it was really. He's like weeping. They threw that sled into the fire, and I was like, oh man, my childhood meaningless. Life is meaningless. When he tore up the uh, code of ethics or whatever he wrote, when he tore that that up, I was like, oh, that killed me. That was big. Yeah, that was that was uh, his turning point for me. It was like he's done. That's not. That doesn't even mean anything. He's a different person now. The turning point for me was earlier, and it was the um, refusal to drop from the political race. That was the that was the key point in the movie for me, which is interesting. We all have different emotional, I guess. And that's high. why it's one of the best yeah. movies yeah. of all time. For me, <laughs> the yeah. emotional. I'm just like, sentimental. So if I see blood. a piece that can't be remade and it's broken, I'm like, no. Yeah. What were you? Sorry. I was gonna say I I mentioned it before when he was trashing the room because it was that just was like that you. was yeah. for me that was like the final like he can't get it back he he does, his love has left him he has nobody around him it's he all has his fault giant empty house and that's really giant. sad yeah. he giant. has a palace and he has no one and nothing to have any meaning or love and so what's the point i like that we all had everything and nothing i like sad. that we all had different points yeah that was, that was that's good cool. that's cool cool uh, did you notice the snow globe in uh, susan's room in the very beginning yes mm-hmm. okay yep. cool mm-hmm. All right. Uh, yeah, you'll notice that, but not the taking of the piano. <laughs> yeah. Come Listen, on, man. You've got to rewatch Casablanca. I can't do this. You've got to rewatch it. I had one more note about uh, Rick and, and Rick Blaine and uh, Kane and Blaine. Basically, they're they're opposite sides of the same coin, and that coin is like the lonesome man of means. Rick doesn't involve himself, and he doesn't care what you think. Kane desperately involved like needs you to love him and praise him and he gets involved in everything yeah they're like the same Mm. kind of character but opposites and i thought that was kind of interesting yeah that's interesting also can we talk about how fun orson welles's voice is to listen to 
I just want to watch more Orson yeah. Welles movie because listening he to him talk is amazing. He aged his voice up really well too. Like he sounds it's, like a convincing old man is twenty five. Good movie. It's crazy. Good movie. Yeah. Now. Yep. Let's let's the find bucket. our here let's we go next movie, huh? Oh, Give me something the, older than nineteen eighty. Do what? Well, you're just doing both. Do we need like? Oh yeah, you shake. I don't know. Oh, we shake. can't have like. I want the Muppets. Involved, you're like the involved. what's the the person that turns yeah, the the can't. number. You know you gotta what I mean. Have a good mix, you know. <laughs> we should right. get one of those. <sighs> we should get one of those. I think I thought about too, like next time putting all the the movies on like a dartboard and throwing a dart. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> we're bad at darts, so it's <laughs> just holes in my wall. <laughs> we're watching nothing, I guess. Join us next week. We're gonna talk about our day. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we just transition into just a regular podcast. <gasps> oh, I'm excited oh, like for this that. one. Is what it the is mummy? It? All right. And I'm going to close the show with this. Oh, no. What is it? Next week, we're going to break a cardinal rule, and we're going to talk about the Fight Club. We will catch you in the next one.